I'd like to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 7 for this afternoon. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. In the same manner, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the behavior of the wives. While they behold your chaste conduct, coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be with that outward adorning of braiding the hair and wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in old time, the holy women also trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any terror. In like manner, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Loving Father, we give thanks to you and ask for your blessing upon your word. And pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will minister it to us according to your ability to work in our hearts that we might be equipped unto all good works and that we may rightly conduct ourselves as believers in our families, in our homes, and to the glory of God. We give thanks to you, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Godly living in the home and in the church is not foreign to the scriptures, as we see Peter speaks to that matter here, as well as other passages such as Ephesians 5, when it mentions concerning the husband and the wife and how that they are to be a model of the church. And yet I think and believe that perhaps the relationship of the husband and the wife in the home, at least borne out by society, is truly um, a very difficult subject. As we find that uh, the world is in a turmoil over the very things that we'll be talking about right here this afternoon. Of course, this is written to the first century church. Therefore, it is written to believers. It is written to the church of Jesus Christ. And so families within the church who want to honor and glorify God, therefore have a great responsibility to model their lives in a way that truly speaks of Christ in the home. 
But yet we still find that within this passage, uh, there is um, some mention that maybe one of the spouses in the relationship may not be saved. The implication is that the life of someone who is a spouse in the home can be the means of bringing the other person to the Lord whether it be the husband who isn't yet saved or whether it be the wife who isn't yet saved. We find that the testimony for Christ can have a great bearing upon the home and the relationship um, in the home. And I, I I don't think it's an overstatement to say that everybody in this room knows somebody who perhaps is living a broken marriage or a marriage that if they haven't gone through divorce perhaps they have separated or if they have gone through divorce then they are living in a very different kind of arrangement than what God intended and yet we find that Peter writes to the dispersion, so he's not only speaking to Jew and Gentile alike, but we have to look for direct application to the 21st century too. And so God living in the home is truly a very important subject and also in the church. And so um, these three areas I'd like to speak to this afternoon. First of all, the role of the woman in the home is a witness to her husband and others. And so you women have a big impact on the home, perhaps far greater than you imagine. And sometimes it is an impact that isn't well received. That is, sometimes uh, the woman in the home seeks to live for Christ and the spouse isn't too appreciative of that. Growing up in New England, many times the women attended church and the husbands, well, they didn't exactly follow and go to church with the wife. I'm sure this isn't anything foreign to what you have observed. And then sometimes people would complain because there's only women in the church running the church when the husbands have been completely negligent and have stayed home. Just because they think they have other things more important than going to church. But the wife has a big impact to play in the home. Secondly, the conduct of the wife is a statement of her life in Christ. The very things that Peter talks to about here concerning the wife in the home is a statement of the woman's life in Christ. That is what it is. It is not a, um, an oppressive statement. It's not it's meant to be oppressive. It is not meant to be a statement where one becomes so subservient that they don't have any identity. It's quite the contrary. It's rather a statement that says the wife is living the life of Christ 
by the very things that she is doing. And so because of that, you have a greater amount of influence that you can bring to bear in the home. And I might just add, not only to your husband, but to other members of your home family as well. Because as you know, the other members of your family are watching. And I, I will say this, even though perhaps it isn't necessary, but I'll say this, that the wife becomes a mother, and the mother becomes one of the greatest influences to the children and because of that, she has a longer-lasting impact upon her family than perhaps she realizes. And so how important it is for a believing mother then to live this life of Christ that, that demonstrates such an ideal that it, uh, it really does last for years and years and years. I don't know, perhaps um, nobody, perhaps your children haven't come back to you yet and said anything about, about your life and what it meant to them. But occasionally, parents actually do hear something. Occasionally, a son or a daughter will say, well, the reason I have such a good work ethic is because my mother and father were such hard workers. The reason I do things at home the way that I do them is because my mother was such a good example to me of the kind of a housewife or a loving spouse I ought to be. You know, we swallow hard when we hear that because we know we're not that good. But we also at the same time are very happy to hear it because we want to know that the way we have lived for Christ in the home is every bit as important as the Bible says it is and that we have tried to fulfill that role the best that we possibly can. And so we have to do it and pray that God will truly bring some fruit out of it. Thirdly, the role of the husband in the home shows his understanding of his strength, grace, and prayer life. Why? Because as the husband is, does acknowledge how important it is that he has a significant role to play in supporting his wife, then he realizes how significant it is that this grace which we have been given of eternal life, this grace of God, is something that fortifies the home in a most vital way. Because it is a true witness of our life in Christ. It is a true witness of the spouse that God has given to us. And it is a true witness of the grace of God that he has brought two people together to honor the Lord. I can't really say much about other people's relationships. I'm in no place to do that. 
All I can do is speak to my own relationship to my wife. And I can say in all honesty, she was a godly woman. And the Lord brought us together from high school before either one of us was ever saved. We sat in the same classes together and hardly looked at one another. And then when we were, we were finally graduated, the Lord brought us together as friends and then as boyfriend and girlfriend and finally we came together as man and wife. We were saved at we, 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 we were married at what must have been 18, 19, I guess about 19 years old. We were married. Kind of young. And we were both saved within probably four months of one another. And from there, I suppose, I suppose like in all relationships, it started out really well, and then it became really bumpy every now and then. But one thing we never denied, even before we came to faith in Christ, one thing that was just something we never wanted to do is that we sat together, I remember, in the parking, in, in the garage, in the driveway, you know, we was come home late at night and sat there and talk a few minutes before I would let, the, let her out the door and go into her house. <laughs> and she would, say, she would say to me, if we get married, we're never going to divorce, you know. And I said to her, I don't want to get married and divorce. If I marry anybody, it's going to be forever. Before we was even saved, we said that to one another. We never would, no matter what. And after we came to faith in Christ, after we accepted the Lord as our Savior, in different churches, by the way, altogether different churches, the Lord brought me in one, one way to, uh, through a church ministry, and the Lord brought my wife, to a, uh, in another church ministry and she was saved. Well, I only say that to say this. That as married, believing couples, we knew that it was important that we support one another wholeheartedly. That wholeheartedly that we support one another. And we always did. We always did. And my daughter would even say, well, Dad, you and Mom were always on the same page. You know, you, you was always, always in agreement in everything you did. And, and so we were. Even to the point of going into the ministry. And, of course, I was the only one that was called to the ministry, though we were both saved. I was called to the ministry and I knew I was, I was called to, to go and to prepare in Bible college and, and I knew that right from the get-go. And uh, there was no question my wife was always supportive of, of what God was doing in our lives. 
to the point we packed up everything we had in a car and put what, as much as you could in the trunk and the rest on top in an old carry luggage clam, <laughs> one of those things that holds up, and left everything behind and went to Florida for three years before we came back and then I went to school for another four years. But through the whole thing, we was all in agreement. Not that there weren't problems or difficulties. We did. We had problems like everybody does. Show me somebody not having any problems and they must be, they're either a Catholic saint or they're, um, they don't tell the truth. <clears throat> Probably more like the latter. Anyway, um, yeah, the role of the husband in the home shows his understanding of his strength. The strength that they both have, by the way. The grace of God in their lives. And prayer. Well, let's just look at some of these verses. First of all, in the, name, uh, in the same manner, verses, chapter 3, verse 1. You wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, the word, of course, the word of God, they also may, without the word, without, um, I suppose, the fact that they are being convicted of the word of God, be be won by the behavior of the wives showing the influence that the wife can have. Now, I know there is, there, I suppose there have been many situations where the wives have done everything right, they have been the example, they have lived the life of Christ, and their husbands still haven't been one yet to the Lord. And yet at the same time, that doesn't negate the influence and the right relationship that the wife is to have to the husband and can have over her husband, who may not be saved. As this verse seems to indicate that maybe the husband, if the husband wasn't saved, the wife, by her very example, has a great influence upon the husband. So in the same manner, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Well, we know the previous chapter had a lot to do with subjection. And the idea here isn't an overwhelming, oppressive subjection, but it is a willingness to be what God intended for her to be, the role of a woman in the home that was the model of Christ to her husband. And the idea is the the wife willingly says, I want to be this way that I might be a godly influence upon my husband. And of course that is very important, isn't it? While they behold your chaste conduct coupled with fear. So he adds that in the next verse. And so the husband is beholding something, he is beholding, he is considering, he is looking, and the idea of behold here is not just to glance once, but to have that constant look of consideration of the wife in her godly fear, which she exhibits 
in the home. Because if, if the husband isn't saved, he's going to need a consistent life to show him something. To show him the model of Christ in the home. He's going to need that. And so he beholds that chaste conduct coupled with fear. And notice in verse 3 the adorning of the, of the wife as well. So here is her, here is her, and, and the first verse is kind of like this is what she is to, to get within her heart, that she has to live the life of Christ in the home, that she might win her husband. In verse 2, there is, a, there is an element of morality that she is displaying, Christian morality that is above and beyond. It is showing the fear of God. In verse 3, her outward appearance also demonstrates the inward truth. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of braiding of the hair, of plaiting the hair, um, and wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. Well, I know a lot can be said about the kind of um, ornamentation that women wear. I mean, certainly none of us are completely ignorant of the kinds of merchandising that goes along for the woman. You know, and probably most husbands would love to shower their wives with things, right? As far as giving them things that they would enjoy and, and so forth. But this verse 3 it goes to the intent of the woman. The intent of the woman is not to do these things for any reason except that she might be giving her true adorning of spiritual life to her husband. That is, she might really be modeling herself, not after the world, but modeling herself after Christ in the home. Well, I think it takes a fairly strong-minded woman to realize that her, her true adorning is not outwardly, totally. I know, J. Vernon McGee used to say, well, if the barn needs painting, paint it. <laughs> was kind of a crude way of telling the woman that she needs some makeup, put it on. And, but I think, this, I think this idea is that he's getting at here is kind of like saying in the first century there were some women who were more obviously adorning themselves for other reasons you might even say they were um, maybe, maybe they adorned themselves like the very rich and wealthy or the more immoral type people I would say the more immoral type people, perhaps. And we do know that there's a lot of that that goes on in our culture. But the adorning of godly fear and the adorning of a certain behavior that models the life of Christ far exceeds the 
cultural materialism that many might seek to have. Whose adorning, let it not be the, that outward adorning of braiding the hair, of plaiting the hair, and of wearing of gold, or of putting on apparel. And in verse 4 then, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornamentation of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And so the woman is to... And by the way, this is her choice to do this. This is not what the husband is telling her to do. This is, this is what she has decided to do because of the life of Christ in her life. This is what she wants to do. And see, that's the whole difference in our spiritual walk with God, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of things that, that we are told to do in our walk with Christ. But unless it really becomes our idea and do it for the right reasons, it can be hypocrisy. You know, something other than what really the Lord wants it to be. So when we're talking about all this, this is the woman's idea. If she wants to make an impact on her husband, this is the woman's idea. This is what she wants to do. And, and this is that, that which can, can truly uh, change her, her life and change the life of her husband. And she, what is she doing? She's revealing the hidden person of the heart in Christ, in which it's not the, not the corruptible things such as, such as that you might put on or the world might uh, want you to look like. No, it is the ornamentation of a meek and quiet spirit. Ornamentation of the meek and quiet spirit. So we don't normally think of the meek and quiet spirit as an ornament, but it is... It is an adornment of grace, is what it is. The adornment of the grace of God in the person's life. The meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. You see, these are the things that God values. A humble and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Uh, Psalm 51. Somewhere in there, in Psalm 51. I don't remember the last... It's down on the list there in the, in the psalm. You'll have to read that. Uh, it says, For after this manner is in, old, in the old time the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. And so the role of the woman in the church or in the home is a witness to her husband and others and others, meaning the rest of her family, and not only that, outside of her family, because other people are looking on, the conduct of the wife is a statement of her life in Christ. So this, this adornment, this, uh, this uh, meek and quiet spirit that she puts on, you see, it is a statement of her life in Christ. Well, because the, um, in the patriarchal um, home, the husband was the head of the home, uh, like Abraham, as, he's, as it says here, Abraham and Sarah. The patriarch, of course, being uh, Abraham, and then Sarah, the matriarch of the family. 
But I always find it, find it interesting that the very things that the world despises, they, they don't like the patriarchal system, you see. No, no, no. They don't like that. They're, they're feminists. You know, the world is, is, is feminist. The world uh, wants to push everything off that, that uh, the Judeo-Christian model is established after. And more importantly, the Bible. But here we find that the patriarchal system in the Old Testament is something to be modeled and it is something that the New Testament wife in Christ is to say, I want to live in this meek and quiet, with this meek and quiet spirit in Christ that my husband will prize me, will value me, will know that I am a godly woman. And of course, all you got to do is go back and, and look at the virtuous woman uh, in Proverbs to know the value that that virtuous woman was to her husband. I mean, she was so highly prized while her husband was, was in the gate, was in, the, was in some form of, of government leadership. She was so prized that the, that the husband just left everything to his wife to do, whether it to be buy merchandise or buy a piece of property or provide for the home through various kinds of textiles that would show the, the godly care that she had of her husband and of the family. I mean, she was, this virtual, virtuous woman is so high and lifted up that um, many times Christian women look at her and say, I can't live up to it. But isn't that what the Bible does? It gives us a model, an ideal, that we really can't reach unless we're, we're doing it in Christ. And that's the idea of the Bible. The Bible always sets us up an ideal that we can't reach. You ever tried to save yourself? <laughs> no. No, we, we have a Redeemer. We have a Redeemer. We have a Savior. We have one who suffered and died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and rose again, became victorious over sin and death and is now seated at the right hand of the Father because there is no righteousness apart from the righteousness of Christ in God. God always sets up the ideal. We should never be intimidated by the ideal that God sets up in his word. We should take it and say, yes, Lord, I want, to, I want to live this kind of life for you. And then ask him to do it through us. Don't set out to do it yourself. Ask him to do it through your life. And that's what this woman is supposed to be doing. That's what she's doing. She, she's, she has... Peter is setting it up to say to you, if you really want to be an impact to your husband and in your family and to others, then you do this. This, 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 and this. You do this. And you will be an impact. You will have that meek and quiet spirit. You will live that, that way in, in such a manner like godly Sarah. And, and we know that Sarah had a few problems. I mean, it, you know... Abraham was talking to the three angels outside of his tent and, and Sarah was inside chuckling. 
which she, she didn't always understand. Well, it's hard sometimes for the women to understand the husbands, isn't it? It's hard. Uh, because, you know, we're, we're, we're different, different. We're made differently. You know, we're made differently. Men, they, you know, we're kind of walk down the country road, you know, and the women, they've got this river flowing that everything is coming into it and, and they say to their husband, how come you don't know all this river is flowing? You're just sitting there like a bump on the log. What's the matter with you anyway? <laughs> well, this godly woman, she knows her mind. You see, that's the other thing that is important. She, she, she knows what she's up to. She knows her mind. And she's going to model her life after what God has said. Verse 5. For after this manner, in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God. Who, now, let's see, there's the key right there, isn't it? Who trusted in God. Adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. They willingly willingly by design took on that role which God gave to them verse 6 even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord well you probably don't have to go that far unless you want to in private but you go around calling your husband Lord on, uh, out in public and they probably won't <laughs> at least the feminists would throw something at you <laughs> but it, the idea is, is godly respect to your husband for who he is as the leader in the home whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any terror isn't it interesting whenever we're doing exactly what God says we don't have to be afraid of a thing we don't, we don't have to believe that anything is going to go wrong we're on safe ground when we are following God's plan for our lives. You know, as I think about Pastor Bo and Sue going off to North Carolina, I'll bet you that if, if I ask them right this, nap, right this moment wh- why they're doing it, they will say, because God is in it. And, they, and neither one of them can deny the fact that God is in it. Well, see, that's, what we, that's how we are meant to operate, isn't it? We're meant to operate in a way that we know God is leading us in the direction we're going and we just cannot go in any other direction. And that's what this godly woman is, has made up her mind to. She's going to go in the direction God has led her and there is no way she is going to turn aside from it. And then verse 7, which goes on to the last part of it here, and and, uh, number 3, the role of the husband in the home shows his understanding of not only his wife, but the strength that they have in the grace of God and prayer life. Verse 7, in like manner ye husbands do dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, the husband has an important role to acknowledge here. He's to acknowledge his wife as a woman of grace. As a woman who 
according to his knowledge of his wife, who his wife is, she had been given to him as a helpmeet. She had been given to him. And not someone to be um, abused, of course, but rather to be appreciated for her, her true role. According to the knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, and many times the world looks at these sort of things and they say, oh, this is a put down of the woman. You ever notice today women, they want to do construction, they want to do electrical work, they're going to climb the telephone pole, they're going to go out and uh, ride the Bronco or, or do things that would be almost unheard of. And this, especially feminist type women, they, they just want to conquer everything that, that uh, everybody else says that the woman shouldn't be doing. I think it's the important thing is that the wife is able to fulfill the divine plan for her life. I'm not saying that the wife can't do things outside of the role that she normally has played. I mean, my wife loved to go down in the field with me and plant the garden and run fence and she loved to go out in the barn and help me clean out the cattle and groom the horses and feed the pigs. And she, Women have consistently done things that men do. Women, women do that all the time. Well, even the virtuous woman, if we actually understood what she was doing to accomplish everything she had to do, I mean, she was pretty much uh, the, uh, the quartermaster of the home. I mean, she did everything that that virtuous woman in Proverbs uh, truly, and that husband was sitting in the gate making decisions, you know, uh, village uh, government decisions perhaps, but she was running the house. And, And godly women do that too. But yet, she is, she is the wife. And she is a weaker vessel as well. Just sexually, she's not a man. She's a woman. A woman is a very valuable person. In fact, so valuable that Adam couldn't get along without one. And God made one of his rib, of his very person. And he made him, God made him a helpmate. Someone that would help him. Someone that would really be a helper to him. And so the woman has a very, very important role. And the husband is to acknowledge it. By the way, it's his fault. He's at fault if he doesn't acknowledge these things about his wife. It's to his detriment if he is not wise enough to know the value of the person whom God has given to him. And he should give her honor, it says in verse 7, and he should recognize that this woman is, is one God has given to him and as, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Heirs together 
of the grace of life. Together, uh, together they, they form a testimony to the whole family of the grace of life. Every, every little child, we had four children. And we always met together when the children were little for Bible reading and prayer and prayed with the children and always took them to church with us and we always did everything we could to reveal to them the grace of God in our lives. Oh, oh by the way, when we, were, we weren't perfect. Nobody is. No, every, every parent says, I wish I'd done something a little different. Being heirs together of the grace of life and that your prayers be not hindered. Well, if we understand what that means, if the, if the relationship between the two people is not right, it's going to hinder the prayer life. There'll be a, a conflict there. You won't be able to pray successfully. And we know how important it is to pray in the family. Meeting together at prayer times to pray. Meeting together at meal times to pray. Praying on important occasions of the birth of children or the sickness of children or some member of the family that's having difficulties or any kind of problem that arises to pray. And if you're of one mind and one heart in Christ, it doesn't mean you, you always think the same thing. It doesn't mean that you always agree on everything. But there's one thing you, you're, you're consistent on is that you know your relationship to Christ, you know where your salvation comes from, you know the blessing of God, and you know how to keep that blessing, to keep it right with God. And so you pray about those things. And even if one person doesn't always agree at the time, occasionally, it may take a little while until you both get back in the same, on the same page again, so to speak. It may be the husband that will change his mind and see that where he's wrong. I, a, a number of times I, I thought I was doing something right. and After I thought about it, I said, well, I, I guess you're right and I'm not. I remember that I got over that after a while and I finally figured out that it was better for me to own up to my wife that I didn't have the right idea than it was to be stubborn and say I did. And so I, when I really wanted to change her opinion, I would, I would say to her, you know, Judy, I, you're right and I'm wrong. And I, We'll just try to work this out. And the minute you acknowledge that you, you didn't, your, your, your idea wasn't as good as hers, all of a sudden the switch changes in her thinking and she's all of a sudden in agreement with you. Even if you change your opinion again. <laughs> she, 
you know, sometimes it's just being willing to admit that you're not right all the time that will help the other person to agree with you. I say, well, well, I'm not always right all the time either. I guess we can figure this out with a little bit of time. Because husbands don't always have to be right. Well, God's role of spiritual life in the home. You see, the, those two roles there, the husband, the wife, they have to work together. We add Jesus Christ to the equation because we know Christ in our life. And the, the impact will last for a lifetime. And it will even go beyond one person's life if they pass away. And it will continue in the life of their children. And I, that's, that's got to be... That's got to be a great thing to... You know, to acknowledge that. You know, even if the children aren't always in agreement with you as parents, you know. Eventually, they will look back and say, okay, I guess you weren't altogether wrong, Mom and Dad, the way you was, the way you was parenting us. And so we have to recognize what God has got. God has set things up a certain way for a certain reason. And the sooner we get it to be our idea that God wants us to do this, we won't feel so oppressed by it. We'll say, oh, well, that wasn't my husband trying to make me do these things. The Lord was trying to get me to do these things. Oh, that wasn't my wife trying to get me to do these things. The Lord was trying to get me to understand this. Well, let's look to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Loving Father, we do thank you for what you were doing in the home. And I pray, Father, we may continue to follow that model of Christ in the home and the role of the husband and the role of the wife and how they together can display that meek and quiet spirit and the life of Christ and make an impact not only in their lives but in the lives of others as well. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.